The following podcast is a production of City View Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The following program is not ashamed of the gospel and is about to tell you the truth. Today, more than half of all people in the world live in an urban area. By mid-century, this will increase to 70%, but as recently as 100 years ago, only 2 out of 10 people lived in a city, and before that, it was even less. How have we reached such a high degree of urbanization, and what does it mean for our future? Modern cities as we know them didn't really get their start until the Industrial Revolution, when new technology deployed on a mass scale allowed cities to expand and integrate further, establishing police, fire, and sanitation departments, as well as road networks and later electricity distribution. So what is the future of cities? Global population is currently more than 7 billion and is predicted to top out around 10 billion. Most of this growth will occur in the urban areas of the world's poorest countries. So how will cities need to change to accommodate this growth? First, the world will need to seek ways to provide adequate food, sanitation, and education for all people. Second, Growth will need to happen in a way that does not damage the land that provides us with the goods and services that support the human population. Food production might move to vertical farms and skyscrapers, rooftop gardens, or vacant lots in city centers, while power will increasingly come from multiple sources of renewable energy. Instead of single-family homes, more residences will be built vertically. We may see buildings that contain everything that people need for their daily life, as well as smaller, self-sufficient cities focused on local and sustainable production. The future of cities is diverse, malleable, and creative, no longer built around a single industry, but reflecting an increasingly connected and global world. This podcast is generated by those who believe there is another alternative to what our culture teaches and thinks. We believe the truth that people want to hear is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today. Well, Pastor Walt, we're back behind the microphones talking about your thinking out loud. And you've been thinking out loud for a long time. And our current series, Where You Are Thinking Out Loud, is the urban community and urban ministry. And as I've been reading, trying to figure out, you know, some of the places where you're going to go with your with your thoughts, I've come across some interesting stats, and that is major urban areas will continue to grow, and baby boomers will retire, and younger generations will dominate the workforce. So that's really the first area of, of big changes in the city, that there's a changing of the guard of the, you know, the next generation. When you watch the next generation... I mean, they're so proficient in ordering Ubers and ordering food and getting reservations all on their phones. And we do a little of that, but not like them. How do you think the cities are going to change under their leadership? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, One of the things I just heard is this is the smallest generation in American history. So we've had a build up, build up, build up. Every generation has grown larger, but this generation is the first to shrink. So we have fewer. So one of the things I was thinking about just the other day when I heard that is how will immigration affect that? If you think about the number of immigrants who are coming in. So obviously we know that the country is getting less white, is getting more colorful. Those who come in are primarily Christian. They have a a different set of values. So I'm not completely sure that our country is going to swing so far to the left as it's been going for the last. So that's just a 
a, a political observation. And then in terms of the workforce, I'm watching my son and his friends. They're really good at negotiating as far as their salary because there's such a shortage of workers. I think I shared this on one of our earlier podcasts, but there are 7 million men in the United States between the ages of 25 and 55 who are not seeking work. It's not that they can't find it. They've just quit. They've decided I'm not working. And there are 7 million jobs open in the country. So that's something that's really different. Some people are forecasting, again, the end of Social Security and those kinds of things. But in terms of the city, we're going to see more of this public transit, living close to your everything, your shopping, your entertainment, those kinds of things. Then the important question we want to answer today is how is that going to affect the church? Well, and I have heard that a lot of the newer immigrants coming in, undocumented immigrants, they do have a semblance of Christianity, but they really aren't Christians. And so we're, we're really dealing with more of a pagan community coming in, and that's making a big difference in our cities. In fact, America's Christian majority is shrinking, speaking about things that are shrinking, and could dip below 50%. By 2070, the Pew Research Center study shows that as of 2020, about 64% of Americans identify as Christians. 50 years ago, that number was 90. Think about that. I mean, that's quite a long time ago, 50 years, but still, everything is escalating that much faster. So who knows where that 64% will be down to 50% or 40% or 30%. That will change the way the church does urban ministry. I mean, we have a big task ahead of us, right? It'll be even more so in the city because a lower percentage of people attend church. So the challenge is, it's really overwhelming for the church, not just here, but worldwide. And I've got some statistics, if I can just yeah, mention a few do. from yeah, the Lausanne. Well, first of all, you're going to talk about the Lausanne paper. Yeah. And I, I think our audience needs to know a little bit more about what that is before you read those statistics. So tell us about where this Lausanne paper was published and what's it about. It's a uh, conference on evangelism that occurs, I think, every year in Switzerland. And so after one of these recently, they wrote a paper and someone sent it to me, and I thought there were some very interesting facts here. But the year 2000 marked a major shift in the world. Over 50% of the world's population is now in major cities. By 2025, the population of Asia is going to be 2.5 billion people. A third of the world is going to live in Asian cities. Now, we support a missionary, the Nakazawas. They are in Tokyo And I thought Tokyo was still around 27 million or something. It's close to 40 million people now. It's the largest city in the world. It it overtook uh, Mexico City, which is large too. And then now the other part is that India is going to overtake China in population. And you think about how many people are unreached in these regions. Now, Christianity is growing at a very rapid pace in certain parts of China and India, but still, the job, there's a tremendous job to do. But biblically, where, where does the city stand? There's a thousand mentions of cities in the Bible, and there's a hundred different cities mentioned. The two most prominent, of course, are Babylon and Jerusalem. We'll talk about that in a future podcast. But God, in Isaiah 15 and 16, weeps over the city. And in Isaiah 61, says that Jesus, the Messiah, those that the Messiah ministers to, are going to help rebuild the cities. Cities grow, major cities in the world, by a million a week. And China has 20 million 
of its residents migrate to major cities. Just one more statistic. In the world today, a billion people live in slums. Now, how do you do that? I noted this in my sermon last week, but thinking about the challenges that the church faces, we know that Lagos, Nigeria is a major, major city. And the city has grown so much, they've run out of land in one area, and the people are building out over the water, over a lake. And there's somewhere upwards of 250,000 people that live in houses on the water. So they built these little walk walkways. All the sewage, all the trash, everything goes into the water. How do you begin to reach with the gospel a place like that? They're never going to be able to support a pastor or have anything long-term. So you got to have a different strategy when it comes to reaching cities. And so that's kind of the moral of the story about going through all these statistics in the podcast. Well, you say we have to do things differently in the church. I want to get to that specifically because even in America, we've talked about this in previous podcasts that we have low-rise apartments going up everywhere in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And oftentimes on the main floor, there's the exercise room, there's sometimes a grocery store or an art shop and all kinds of things. So things are becoming much more localized. A lot of it has to do with transportation. A lot of it has to do with people wanting to live in an urban community and walk to places, shop in, you know, localized shops and so forth. So does that mean the church probably can't congregate in one place on a Sunday morning and maybe they have to congregate in 10 places to reach the people of each community? What do you think? Well, the thing that Christianity is supposed to be good at, and it's better at it in the Southern Hemisphere and, and in the East in places like Asia and South America, is hospitality. People are desperate for community. And even though we've got tens of thousands of people within the arm's length, people are lonely and they're looking for community. We see that unprecedented rises in anxiety, depression. People look for it through social media. So the church is going to have to figure out whatever way it happens through the current model. They're going to have to incorporate more opportunities for hospitality. We call it fellowship in the Christian faith, but really fellowship isn't just getting together and having a meal. The real word in the original Greek is koinonia, and it means participation. So we have to figure out how to include people and get them to participate in the church. And I do think there is some merit to what's happening in other parts of the world where people are being discipled into the Christian faith. We know that most of the young disciples didn't really have a clue who Jesus was or where he was taking them, but he brought them along and discipled them. And there came a point in that process of discipleship where they acknowledged you are the Christ and you are the Son of God. So we have to have a little bit of different perspective. I really think that the attractional model is going to go away, where the church offers goods and services that meet people's needs. It's going to have to change from building up the body of Christ and creating an opportunity for people to serve and to participate and, and bring some meaning. And I think that's why so many young people are leaving the church, because they say, why am I coming and just listening to a sermon? Why is somebody just telling me what to do with my life or how to run my life? I can get that from YouTube. I can get that from a TED Talk. The difference is the church is designed and built for people to participate and to have, really, 
a family. We've seen the breakdown of the family, the, the absence of fathers in the homes. The average American, I heard, moves like seven times, and we're talking from one city to another, moves seven times to a different location while their kids are being raised. So how do you get community? How do you get involved in that kind of thing? So these are lots of questions and lots of opportunities for the church as we move into the future. Well, I love that idea of hospitality and how do we build community. You know, our current model in the Western church is that we have sort of like a TED Talk, right? And it's it's usually performed by a very gifted speaker who has some education and so forth, which is nothing wrong with that. But I don't know how many people really get to know one another. There's no hospitality going on there, usually. If you're in a smaller church, maybe. I told you a while back that a good buddy of mine who's in a mega church in Las Vegas, they did a study. He's an elder down in the church, and they did a study. How many times do our people come to church? It was one in every three weeks. Yeah. I mean, how do you build community with that? I mean, they're coming for the gifted speaker. They're coming with something, and there's nothing wrong in that. But one in three weeks, Pastor Walt? We have to go from the mega to the meta. The church has tried to do this for the last 40 or 50 years. You and I remember when all the craze came into the church, we saw what was happening in South Korea, the largest church in the world, 750,000 people. You know, to gather that into the into our U.S. Bank Stadium, you'd have to have 15 services per Sunday. I don't know how they do it, but their real key is these small group Bible studies, in-home Bible studies. And for a long time, churches tried to do this, and people were just resistant to it. But I'm seeing something different. We talked about this new generation of the being. I'm seeing something different about this generation. They see that there's something lacking in their life. There's not an older adult to speak to them about raising children and marriage and owning a home and all of the responsibilities of life. And so it's worked well for us to have these small group Bible studies. And we also see back to the immigrant issue is that immigrants don't respond to the gospel the same way Americans do. They are looking for this hospitality. They are looking for this community. I know of a group of people that meets in these high rises. They're not low rises, they're high rises. They're really tall. And they're in in an area of the Twin Cities that's often referred to as Little Mogadishu. That's, uh, it's a high, uh, dense population of Somali people. And there are about half a dozen couples that live purposely in these high rises. And most of their time is spent in prayer, but they are there to evangelize. I remember many years ago, sitting under Ray Bakke, and Ray Bakke said, if I were a suburban church, I would buy the biggest apartment complex that I possibly could find, and I would make that my point of evangelism. And I've told other suburban pastors, too, we're even looking at it with with us in the city. And now the immigrants have come to the Twin Cities, and they're spilling out into the inner and outer ring suburbs and into the rural areas as well. And people are saying, well, how do we reach these? Well, let's buy an apartment building and have a community and put people in there. We have to think differently and we have to to think strategically. People don't just magically go to church anymore. Well, and it's interesting, your church, City View Church in South Minneapolis, you're landlocked and you're also people locked because you're full. There's nowhere else to go. You can't park on Sundays or it's difficult, right? I mean, I, I don't... 
I don't want to be disparaging for people that come to church. But the, the reality is, you got to figure out, how do we do church differently? Do we break it up? Do we have multiple services? I mean, how do we do this? And I love that idea of an apartment complex. Usually, and you know this, Pastor Walt, most pastors say, well, we got to get a bigger building because we got to fit people. But I'm not sure that's the model. That's what you're saying, correct? Well, one of the problems in the city is finding church location where you can have parking. And I came out of church on Sunday and out of the service and somebody said, hey, we got to get people out here to move their cars. They double parked. There's not enough parking for us. I didn't even know that was a problem. And it's even more difficult in yeah, the winter right now. But yeah, we do have to change our model. We've talked over the last few years about going to two services. And each year we've been just kind of right there. And I think we're limping through this winter, but City View might have to go to two services. So we'll have a, a smaller service and we won't fill up as much and it might kind of feel like oh this church is shrinking when it's no it's actually growing mm -hmm. i think we're going to have to implement into that some ways of taking advantage of the opportunity for hospitality and conversation and discussion with one another. Pastor Walt, you and I both know nonprofits, Christian nonprofits, that have started out with the Gospels being the center of their program. But somehow through the process of fundraising and, and success, they sort of focus in on their goods and services, you know, whether it's athletics or after-school training and all the good things. But somehow the Gospel is not front and center anymore. So as a pastor, you know on Sunday morning when you're preaching, you're giving the gospel front and center. But now the church is not going to be able to come together as much as it used to because of space and you're growing and you're going to spread that out. How are you going to keep the gospel at the center? Oh, that's the key is discipleship. We got to do what Jesus did. Jesus took 12 and he trained them up and then he released them. You know, because you're a part of City View, we have these life groups and we were rejoicing in our leadership meeting a couple of weeks ago because we cleared out the queue and that's where people wait in the app to, to get chosen for a new life group. And then here we are two weeks later, we've got 16 new people that signed up to be a part of life group. We can't train leaders fast enough and we're having a hard time finding leaders for these groups. But these life groups solve a lot of problems. If you have a person who's trained and who's competent and who can lead a group, and, and it takes a long time to get a person there, it takes a lot of training to get them there, then they become like a mini pastor. They become a shepherd for that particular group. And in that group, they can handle a lot of problems, but the fellowship takes place, communication, the prayer, all of those kinds of things. We've just been telling people what to do and assuming that they're leaving the church and they're doing it, and they're not. And we can see that in statistics. Barna has been telling us in all of his surveys for the last 50 years that Christians don't have a biblical worldview. And what our challenge is, not just the City View and all other churches, and I hear this from other pastors, is we can't just sit here and tell people to pray anymore. We got to pray with them and we got to teach them how to pray. I don't know how we've missed that for so long in the church, but it's like the American church, you know, just how many people we have showing up on Sunday is a gauge of our success. What a poor gauge of success. Yeah, it's nickels and noses, and you know that, but that's not making disciples. So, you know, making disciples, as you're discussing, when people come to City View, do they know that they're going to 
enter into expectations of the pastor and the elders of the church that you will be trained to do ministry here at this church. You're not just going to come and sit. Maybe a lot of people do, but that's not the expectation, correct? Well, it depends on the person because some people come in and they've got an agenda <laughs> and they'll tell you what, right away, they'll tell you what they did in their previous church. In right. my previous church, I was a deacon, I was an elder, I was a worship leader, mm-hmm. and there's an expectation. And usually if they're stuck on that, they're going to wind up leaving within the first few months. But I can see more and more people come in and if we can get them to understand as quickly as possible that our church has a what we call a clear path for discipleship and here's where you enter don't just come in here and become a member and expect that you're going to serve right away but you got to get on board with the vision and most important and i credit our assistant pastor brandon for this is he tells people when they come in because he usually make some contact with new people the first thing that we want you to do is build relationships before you start to serve in any way in the church and people will most likely respond to that they they understand if it's if it's explained properly so they come into the church and right away they've got some kind of relationship with somebody and then we want them to get into a life group and we want all that to take place before they start to serve in the church and now we're to the point here a few years down the road of developing these life groups where we realize that we have to start ramping up our training and that just simply means that we have to train people to become disciplers jesus discipled people who were able to disciple others and in all of us in the bigger context of how do we reach the city we have to start reaching the city one person at the time that sounds like a cheesy catchphrase but that's how jesus did it gather this guy this guy this guy see something um he he talks about going when he sends out his disciples go into a town and um look for that person of peace we we're just we're just casting our net just so far and wide in the church today we're not really investing in those kind of people who have the capacity to multiply the kingdom of god uh, i think all of this big church stuff is going to uh, run out after a while it don't mean that big churches are going to go away but whatever church it is, it's just going to have to change mm-hmm. its strategy. Well, you want to do the work of the ministry. And what's really interesting is that in Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, he explains that. He says, you know, Jesus gave us gifts. And sometimes we call them the fivefold ministry. But all of those gifts mentioned in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 are to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, the work of the ministry could be buying apartment buildings and using that as a a, a beachhead to reach people for Christ, right? The work of the ministry doesn't mean I'm going to duplicate Pastor Walt. You know, we're all going to be Pastor Walt's running around doing sermons and prayer and whatever. No, they're doing the work of the ministry, which takes off in every different direction with a variety of gifts. So I think that's important. We've missed that somehow, that we don't really help people get to do the ministry which they're called to do. There's there's a lot of church hopping going on in the church. I would like to see some statistics on this. I, I would like to know how long does the average American stay in a particular church? Because we have people come in and they'll say, I've been in the five, five churches in the last 10 years. And I think, wow, what, what was missing in that church or you and your life? All of that has to change. We got we to gotta find a place for people to stay and uh, dig down and get some roots. And that comes in developing these, these relationships with one another. 
I have found that the reason I have skipped out on certain churches and gone other places is because my expectations weren't being met. Well, I came in with false expectations. And as you said, a lot of people come in and say, hey, I'm here from this other church and I was a deacon over there. I want to be a deacon here. You know, that's just not the right kind of attitude. But I think if we come into the church realizing God has led me here, I'm going to learn the environment of how this church works, and I'm going to be a part of it to minister to people in our community. Now, one last thought, and, and you're big on sort of the Catholic idea, I mean, this is a Catholic parish idea, of ministering to a certain location. Is that part of what you're doing? You're trying to get the community, I don't know how many blocks around City View, but you want to reach that community and pastor or shepherd them, as you call it, right? Exactly. So if the mentality of people in our culture now is going to be, I want to shop and I want to work and I want to recreate within a few blocks of my the place that I live, they're going to want to worship within a few blocks of the place. So we got to find out strategies. My neighborhood alone in Minneapolis, where my church is at, is bigger than most cities in the state of Minnesota. I have a tremendous opportunity here. So the idea of this whole concept of regional, of people driving 30 minutes to go to church somewhere, I'm finding that this generation is willing to take less of what they want in a church to be closer to home. That's that's what I'm banking on for the future. What we should do, Pastor Walt, is bring in a couple of these new young uh, people coming to City View, and let's talk to them. Let's find out exactly why they're coming to church. What, what are they being drawn to as they come into City View? I just, I think that's very important. Any last word? Let's do it next time. We're going to do it. I'll bring some guys in. We are bringing a bold statement about Christ. He's our only hope to face the darkness in our day. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today, and please let us know your thoughts on our topic. We want to hear your feedback and your concerns as you think out loud. Please visit us at cvcmpls.org. That's cvcmpls.org.